This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Ying.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout-out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Helton Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. So for now, hey, our fearless friends, here's Lisa Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me again on this lovely Friday morning. My name is Lisa McDonald, host of Living Fearlessly with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to 175 countries, 240 terrestrial radio satellites, and the potential for millions of uh, iTunes downloads. Once again, we are joined by yet another phenomenal guest. So who is my guest of today? Well, I'm really excited to introduce to you a gentleman by the name of Shu Matsuo Post. He is a successful businessman in Japan, one of the most gender-rigid nations on the planet. When he got married and chose to take his wife's name, the opposition he encountered gave him an unexpected glimpse into a woman's world. It also gave him a taste of vulnerability, emotional connection, and the freedom he had been craving all his life. Flowing seamlessly between his own journey, his wife's journey, and their journey together as they struggled to break the bonds of gender limitations, his first book, I Took Her Name, is a powerful roadmap for defying expectations and becoming your authentic self. Shu inspires men and boys to confront gender expectations to live a more authentic, vulnerable, and free life. I want to very much welcome you to the program Living Fearlessly today, my friend. How are you, Shu? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me today, Lisa. Well, this is a real honor, and I just want to say how immensely impressed I am, and I look forward to the day that we can get where it doesn't have to be so impressive. I, you know, we have a long way to go. Uh, we have a lot of social conditioning and and limitations and and all of that for how boys specifically are brought up uh, to break the ceiling on that. So it's not overly commendable that someone like yourself who is in fact a man is a true feminist and so I just want to say that as a feminist a fellow feminist myself this really hits home for me and uh, this is unlike any other guest I've ever showcased on the program and I've showcased a whole myriad of talent and all walks of life so I just want to say I really appreciate you coming forward I appreciate you wanting to be my guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald today and I want to delve deep first off into the inception of the journey let's talk about what being a little boy was like for you growing up to know coming out on the other end for the choices you made and having to go against all the precariousness and all the backlash um Let's talk a little bit about that for you. 
Yes. And first of all, thanks again for the lovely intro. And I'm so excited to be on your show today and have a conversation about this uh, with you today. And um, yeah, like you mentioned um, in the intro, I was born and raised in Japan until the age of 15. And I um, so I've lived in Japan and also in the US and a little bit of uh, time in Hong Kong. So I've seen um, a life here and US and another country in Asia. And living, uh, growing up in Japan, uh, for, for the listeners who've never uh, been to Japan, Japan is a very um, uh, homogenic, uh, homogenous country where like people pretty much look the same. I, I grew up in this small town um, about an hour outside of Tokyo. So people look the same, thought the same, and believe the same things. So I didn't know anything else. Um, so, and there was a lot of social conditioning um, as a boy, you know, as a boy, you got to be this way. And when you grow up, men um, are supposed to be a certain way, um, you know, get a career, get a good job, uh, have a family. Uh, when you have kids, you go back to work, work harder than before um, to provide for your family because you're the provider, um, you protect your family. And then work until the retirement, and that's when you can um, enjoy the time with your family. So that was kind of like the conditioning that I had. No one like mm -hmm. specifically told me that, but that's how I remember growing up. So I used to think that manhood was supposed to be a certain way, um, and that's how I grew up. And you know, in the U.S., um, I spent about eight years in the U.S. Um, from high school to college, and then worked um, a little bit. Um, I think the social conditioning was um, a little bit similar, but I did experience um, something I didn't before in Japan. Um, by nationality and um, by race, I was a minority, so I was able to kind of understand what it means to be in a minority group, uh, which I didn't before. Um, as a man, um, cisgendered, heterosexual um, men in Japan. Um, so. I thought I um, I understood what it what it's like to be in a minority group, mm -hmm. but I felt like I didn't really connect with uh, a certain group, which was women. Um, so pretty much all my life until then, my um, until mid twenties or so, um, I couldn't really connect with women because I had read a bunch of dating books and thought that you know I had to. Uh, behave in a certain way to attract women um, mm -hmm. or get to know women. Um, so that was, those were my manuals um, growing up and all, all my dating scenes. Um, and then I actually moved to Hong Kong um, for work. Um, I got the opportunity to move to Hong Kong and um, and that's when I met my wife uh, today of today. And when when I started to date her, um, I immediately knew she was different from um, other people that I had dated. She um, she told me she was a feminist um, and I didn't have a good um, image of what a feminist uh, was until mm -hmm. um, I she she actually taught me what it what it actually means to be a feminist. And I used to think feminists are like angry women and often lesbians that hate mm -hmm. men. Right. That's like the stigma that we still have in today's society. And I did have that as well. But she was very different. Uh, she was kind and 
and she wasn't trying to fix me per se. Um, she mm -hmm. was very warm in her, with her approach, and she just asked me questions about why I do the things that I do did, uh, why I did the things that I did. For example, you know, I wanted to walk along the the side sidewalk closer to the traffic so that. I was physically protecting her when we we're walking on the street. And, uh, you know, from my studies of um, from reading those dating books, um, I thought that was what a man was supposed to do. Um, and she mm -hmm. asked me one day, like, what? Hey, can I ask why you do that? And I told her, like, well, this is what I read. And I thought men were supposed to do that. I'm like, well, thanks. But doesn't you don't have to do it every single time we're on the walk like I'm fine mm -hmm. protecting myself and I was like huh I didn't think about it that way so that's just one of the examples um but Beautiful. she asked me a bunch of questions about um those gender roles like gender mm -hmm. expectations in our society and how I believed in those uh norms and I didn't have the answer to a lot of her questions and that's when I really started to think like, okay, what's going on? Do I, um, am I just kind of playing the role um, of this scripted life per se? Mm -hmm. And does it have to be this way uh, for the rest of my life? And the answer I found was no, it doesn't, it didn't have to be. I could actually create my script if I wanted to. So Absolutely. that was, that was my beginning. That was the beginning of my journey into um, vulnerability, authenticity, and feminism. And we ended up um, getting engaged and naturally we started talking about um, what we were going to do with our last names. And she, she told me that she wasn't going to just take my, uh, my name, which, is Mat which was Matsuo, and her mm -hmm. name was Post. Um, and she really wanted to keep her last name because it had been her identity and she wanted to keep her identity, which I respected. Mm -hmm. um, so we started talk talking about okay so what what should we do and you know we wanted to have children together so and we wanted our children to have the same last name so we decided to combine our last names and that's why our name uh, now is matsuo post beautiful and, thank you and then uh, let to, me just ask sorry. you just, go, go ahead just to wrap up I, i've been just kind of talking quite a quite a long time just to give um give a little bit of background to why i wrote the book um i took her name is mm -hmm. that when i changed my last name in japan so japan um, prohibits married couples to have separate names or combined names actually legally you can't do it uh in japan uh which is pretty interesting and i it's that been is. a huge controversy mm -hmm. um and I went through a lot of hurdles to actually change my name to Matsuo Post. Um, and what ended up happening is that since I married a foreign national, um, I was able to ask my wife to change her name first in her home country, which is the United States. Um, so I was able to just take her last name to her new last name to um, to make my name Matsuo Post as well. And when I went through that process, I just realized um, that um, it, it's a lot of work to change your name and it's, you know, changing your identity. Mm -hmm. um, and I just felt like it was wrong to, for especially my culture, 
to expect women to go through this process just because they're women. Um, and I just felt this uh, sense of sexism when I was going through this process. But it was just one of the activities, like once in a lifetime activities that people go through. So that's when I realized like, hey, what else is out there in our everyday life? Um, and that's when I found um, lots of gender inequality in Japan and and frankly, all over the world. Yes. And I decided to do more research and I wasn't going to publish a book, but I felt like I had to share this with uh, other men because I didn't know about this and I wanted other men to know this um, because I, I believe in gender equality and without men's involvement, we, we wouldn't, we won't achieve uh, true equality in this world. Absolutely. Well, I want to, I want to commend you on that. And I want to also personally thank you. And I want to thank you from the perspective as a parent who has both a son and a daughter and everything that you're describing. Um, and obviously this, this is what you're talking about. It's more unique and specific to your situation, but when it does come to gender equality, I'm very much mindful and cognizant that whatever it is that I'm imparting to my daughter is just as equally important as imparting it to my son. And, um, you know, we do have a long way to go and you're right. You know, it, it obviously from your experience of where you've been brought up and to know that it is very gender rigid, uh, in Asia, but to know that the problem is systemic and it's still, it's broader than that. But I do want to ask you, Sue, I mean, there's a whole host of things I would wish to continue to ask here, but let's start with what was the dynamic in the household for you growing up in terms of your dad, um, the relationship between your dad and your mom. And then when you got to a point where you took the stand, if in fact your, your parents were still alive, cause I don't know what the status is on that. Were you embraced by your parents? for the decisions you made outside yeah, of how you had, yeah, outside mm -hmm. of how you had been brought up and, and, and perhaps the programming and not necessarily the program specific to your parents, but just in within the culture itself, maybe it was both, maybe it wasn't. So I'll leave you to answer that. Yes. To answer that question first. Yes, I was, uh, my parents were very, accepting and understanding with my decision to change my name mm -hmm. even though they are Jap like very japanese they, they never lived outside of japan and they you know spent their entire life in japan um and you know they were a traditional married couple in japan i would say my my dad was the sole uh, breadwinner my mom was a stay-at-home mom after she had me um i'm the second born and i have a an older brother and so she stopped working when she had me and she never went back to work after because she mm -hmm. wanted to focus on childcare, which I completely respect and um, appreciate. Um, and, and I just remember, you know, my I know my dad wanted to spend a lot of time with me and my brother, um, but he did work um, long hours um, and I know he did it for us. Mm -hmm. So there's I don't have a sense of like um what how, how can i say it um i love my dad and i'm so grateful for what he's done for us mm -hmm. um and at the same time i wish i had spent more time with him or he spent more time with us um during the week because we hardly saw him um during the week and that's very typical 
um, of a Japanese working uh, father. Mm-hmm. So growing up, I I knew I wanted to be a different dad if I were to become one. Um, so that that was that was kind of like the idea that I created myself, and I wasn't sure if that was possible if I um, if I I guess just stayed in Japan or lived uh, um, my life within the the man box that I thought I was trapped in. Um, but you know, going moving to the U.S. and um, spending time in Hong Kong and and meeting many people from different countries and and ultimately meeting my wife really opened my eyes that it's it's possible um, to have a life that you want you could you know have you could um, be a father that's mm-hmm. present and spend um, a lot of time with your kids during the week too um, if that's what you want um, you just got to design your life that way mm-hmm. and I kind of started to reverse engineer based on the kind of life that I wanted to create and I just became a father a few months ago and uh, congratulations before, thank you and uh, you know before becoming a father I, I knew what kind of father I wanted to be so I kind of started to reverse engineer okay what do I need to do now so that when I actually become a father I could spend time with um, the child with my child um, so what I decided to do immediately was okay well especially the first first year I want to spend as much time with uh, with the newborn um, so I, I'm actually on uh, paternity leave, extended paternity leave. Um, this is month five of my seven-month paternity leave. and Fantastic. It's a, thank you. It's been one of the best decisions I've made um, for so many reasons. And first, first of all, I didn't realize uh, caring for a child is such hard work. Um, yes. I knew it was hard work, but it's so... It's, it is. <laughs> a 24-hour job, you know, uh, yeah. seven days a week. And uh, I have so much respect for um, for parents and uh, and especially like single parents who are having to go back to work um, soon after they have their chi- uh, child. That's mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, like I don't know how they do it, but they, you know, there are so many parents who've done that and I have so much respect for them because my my wife is on her maternity leave as well. So we were taking care of one small human uh, with two full-time adults and still um, <laughs> sometimes challenging, but yeah, can't even compare with uh, those single parents who are having to go back to work. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, um, also um, I'm realizing that kids grow up so fast. Um, yes. And I'm, I'm glad that I, I get to witness this every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes me realize uh, what, is, what are my priorities in life. Um, so, yeah, paternity leave was one of the things that I immediately did. And, uh, you know, because I wanted to take paternity leave, I started to communicate with my employer um, early on. Um, and so that's, and I was pretty open about it. Like, hey, this is what I want to do. How can we make it happen? Luckily, Japan, uh, despite its low ranking in the global gender index ranking in the Mm -hmm. world, um, Japan has one of the the most generous parental leave systems in the world. So 
both mothers and fathers can take up to 12 months of government paid leave. Wonderful. Uh, yeah. So I said yes to that um, to take advantage of this great parental leave system, even though most men um, actually still don't take uh, parental leave in Japan. Um, mm -hmm. Because of more more like a social pressure and um, and I'm sure that exists uh, outside of Japan as well. Um, but I really wanted to do it, and I'm glad that I I did. Well, I'm I'm happy for you that you've made that decision. And again, I just want to say, and I want to I really want to focus on this aspect of it too. You know, in terms of stepping into a non-traditional uh, position not just culturally, but again, based on gender. So let's talk a little bit about the residuals, not just the residuals in terms of the backlash or the controversy surrounding that, but let's talk about the paradigm shift that hopefully, even if only incrementally, you've started to see the awakening that's happening collectively uh, within the culture, but also more so specifically within the cohort of men. So can you talk a little bit about as a result of your decision and then, of course, writing a book? And I imagine, you know, there's quite a bit of media attention on this or you're talking about it extensively uh, on other shows such as myself, my own show. But let's talk a little bit about how you've been embraced and, and what, what is shifting in terms of how males are starting to look at things. They're having dialogues that they perhaps have never had. They're asking questions or they're more introspectively going in. Are you going into the schools? Or, or how young are you hitting the demographic of males, boys, teenagers? I, I'd like to see how this has taken off for you. Yes, Um so my personal experience, I would say um, I've, yeah, I've gotten some criticism um, about like promotion of gender, gender equality or like me, myself trying to call, um, call, um, attach the, um, the feminism, a feminist uh, label to myself. Um, mm -hmm. But um, overwhelmingly more um, warm, kind words from um, a lot of people around me. So that's been a great experience. And, you know, education is my, my wife is an educator. She's a teacher. Um, so I, I know how important um, education is, especially mm -hmm. at, um, you know, young age. So I've done speaking engagements for uh, elementary school students, um, high school students and also university uh, students in Japan so far. And um, it's really fascinating um how how different those uh younger um students are compared to how i grew up because i didn't have this mindset you know 20 15 20 25 years ago but you know these um these children already have a very uh diverse and equal mindset um mm -hmm. compared to my generation so um, just speaking to these students um, really inspire me as well. Um, how <clears throat> how much hope that we have uh, for the future. You know, I was watching the um, uh, inauguration, U.S. presidency inauguration this week, and then you know, just looking at uh, Kamala Harris uh, being the first um, black Asian uh, vice president woman, mm -hmm. uh, and it's there is like so much hope and, you know, her, um, it really cheered me up 
even though I'm not a U.S. citizen, uh, mm -hmm. my wife is and my son, uh, my son is as well. And just, you know, seeing those moments, um, I, I feel that more people, a lot more people are, are thinking about equality and how important it is. And we need it um, in every culture. And uh, a lot of people are taking action to, to promote it and to create it. Um, and we're starting to see the, the outcome, I think. Absolutely. Well, and, and that's a good parallel uh, because, yeah, I mean, that's that's been huge news. It's at the top of everybody's mind on the global stage. And we are so desperate and we are so hungry uh, for change in all facets of life. But in terms of seeing as that as a pivotal milestone, particularly when you're talking about uh, government, you know, and it's still by and large, underrepresented by women. You're starting to see more strides being made. You're starting to see things equalize a little bit more. Uh, but when we truly get to a point where we don't have to talk about things like um, discrepancies or um, underrepresentation uh, or disparities or things of that nature, when we don't have to have those conversations, whether we're talking about uh, wage differential, same work done by both man, woman, but, you know, it's not reflected in the pay when we talk about politics or when we talk about um, high positions within the C-suite, things of that nature where things are still predominantly driven by men and uh, women do get passed over or they're not taken as seriously um, or they're still, from a male perspective, there are a certain demographic of males who do recognize that women are very empowered and that they do have a right to be at the table um, and that they do have strong viewpoints and 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 represent a larger demographic. So, uh, but there's still that level of intimidation. Um, there, there are still people who would cling to the ideology or the false concept that you yourself, Shu, admitted to once having in terms of the perception of what does feminism really mean. And of course, there's different levels of feminism. There's radical feminism. There's liberal feminism. Uh, there's different levels of feminism within feminism, and not all feminists agree. Um, you know, there's grassroots feminists. And, you know, so you get... You get disagreements um, and you get backlash even amongst feminism, uh, feminists uh, talking about feminism. Um, but I think where we're going to start to see real fundamental uh, changes underway where the gap narrows is men such as yourself. And this is unique for me. I've never known a man, let alone interviewed a man, uh, who has taken on the position of signing up to not only call themselves a feminist on radio. I mean, I do have, there's probably a few people that come to mind who I know are staunch feminists who are men. Um, but in terms of that being their whole shtick or really being their plight, really being their mission, and it really uh, underscoring a lot of the path that they're endeavoring to elicit change, to um, endeavor to you know, be the, the, the person who's really trying to impress upon the culture, the world, the collective stage, that this has to happen. And these are the conversations we need to have with our, our boys. And these are the conversations we need to have with our teenagers. And these are the conversations we need to have um, in the CEO office and, and corporate America and, you know, just across the board. 
So I think where we're going to start to see things narrow and we're start, we'll start to hopefully notice that these aren't such pressing issues or they're not still standout issues is when you see more men embracing exactly what we're talking about here today. And it's not just women fighting for their rights. It's not just women saying, no, I do have a voice. I do have a purpose. I do have skills. I do have talent. I do have a right. And therefore, I'm going to have to always perpetually fight my way through the noise, fight my way through the residuals, the consequences, the backlash, and the non-receptivity. So I think what you're doing is so pivotally important. And I hope you being the leader of this and, and you really getting the message out there, I hope more men start to come to realize, not just within their own homes or in their intimate partnerships uh, or how they choose to dialogue with their sons or their children, but I, I hope people go, okay, like I don't know if this becomes a movement like, I don't know how far you're going to take this. I don't know, because this is a big message and things really do need to change. And I think things will only be capable of changing to the ways that they have to if men like you as a collective voice start to be that voice of reason and support the wives and support the, the female feminists and the daughters and, you know, the co-workers in the office. So you know, I, I think what you're doing is amazing. Like, I, it's groundbreaking work. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your kind words. And I, I know there are other men out there who are fighting for gender equality. And, mm -hmm. and for me, gender equality is feminism. And feminism is, uh, it's, is about empowerment of women. Yes. Um, but also, um, it's... Um, it's liberation, liberating men as well from gender expectations that we might uh, we might be trapped in, and mm -hmm. that's why I want to advocate this as a man for other men. It's good for women and it's good for men. Um, thus, it's good for humanity, um, and I truly believe that. Um, you know, if you take a look at the uh, su suicidal rates, um, men are three or four times more likely to commit uh, suicide than women because um, of the mental um, illness or mental stress that they go through. Uh, a lot of men feel like they can express their emotions to other people, so mm -hmm. they don't seek out support, help. I think this is uh, it's becoming a, a big topic um, for in the mental health field as well. Um, and I, I, I think it's, it comes from the gender, gender norms of men, um, having, um, we're, we've been conditioned to, believe that we're we have to be stoic we we can express our emotions rather than aggression and anger mm -hmm. um but we are emotional beings um i'm looking at my son every day and he's so emotional and and it's beautiful um and one day um and i was that way too i, I talked to my parents um about how i was when i was a child and they said i was a very you know expressive child and i i remember just growing up you know, um, you know, from the messages from media, um, school or whatever I was reading or learning, I for some reason, I learned that um, boys and men weren't really supposed to um, express their emotions or show our emotions uh, because emotions are a sign of weakness. Um, mm -hmm. And that's 
that was my interpretation and I held that uh, belief for such a long time and uh, you know I associated emotions with uh, with pain um, through my exp experiences as well um, and when I suppressed emotions I actually suppressed all types of emotions like even positive emotions so you know uh, there was there was a time I didn't know um, what I was feeling or I couldn't really connect with myself, uh, let mm -hmm. alone with other people. And that became a problem. I wanted to connect with myself um, and connect with others as well. Um, and I felt like, you know, my journey into uh, the feminism was my journey into authenticity as well. And it's, uh, it's been uh, very challenging to kind of layer off all the um, all the conditioning that I've mm -hmm. lived through, um, but it's very rewarding as well. And once I kind of let go of um, those expectations as a man, like, you know what, I could actually live a life that I want. Like, I don't have to worry about the, the social conditioning or social norms um, as a man. And I could design a life that I want. Um, I've, I've felt so much freer than before. And that's the kind of message that I want to advocate uh, for, for other, other men. I'm mainly doing this for men. Um, for now, now um, a lot of my audience is um, females, um, mm -hmm. but they're, um, they're talking to their partners and hoping that they'll um, get the message from me as well. But I want to leverage the um, privileged aspect of my identity to, to, to educate or share this message with fellow men so that we can really work together as, um, as a collective, both women and men, to, to achieve gender equality for, for humanity. Beautiful. Well, my background originally was in social services for 25 years, and I worked in crisis management specifically. So I'd worked with pretty much every demographic, every population, but a good uh, portion of what I dedicated my years of service to was working in domestic violence. And, you know, so we'd see these moms who were fleeing domestic violence with their children and there was always sons, you know, in tow in the shelter. And of course, their only frame of reference uh, and it wasn't uncommon for these boys to be acting out because they were witnessing what was going on at the hands of their father, how their dads were treating the mom. Uh, whether they themselves were being physically abused or emotionally abused, they were still in fact being abused by the fact that they were witness to their moms being abused. And so a lot of breaking intergenerational violence and patterns and norms and beliefs, um, you know, I mean, you, there's, your message can go so far. It could go into the penal system. It could go into corrections, uh, law enforcement, um, you know, these uh, these women's shelters, you know, connecting with men who have been mandated by the courts to receive some type of uh, counseling services, you know, because it is really switching uh, the narrative. Um, and because men come from oftentimes, and I mean, I know, I know I'm talking about extreme examples uh, in terms of the inequities and, and the... Uh, you know, the power differentials that go on between men and women, 
not just in the workforce, but also more importantly, intimately within the family. It starts within the family. So a lot of men who have, you know, they are the byproduct of what they've been on the receiving end of, whether it be abuse or just women not being embraced as equals, um, which I think is still abusive. Uh, it's a different kind of abuse. But, you know, there's there's just so many cycles and patterns that need to be changed. And so you as a man going into whatever your intended audience is, wherever you're invited to speak, to dispel these myths and to change the conditioning, it is so important because, I mean, it's half the demographic. Uh, so when we're talking about failed marriages or we're talking about... Um, you know, all kinds of dynamics that should not be playing out the way that they historically have in whatever environment, you know, it does go back to, well, you know, men do need to talk about vulnerability and identifying that vulnerability is in fact a strength. It's not a weakness. And if men were more tapped into giving themselves permission and being embraced uh, within their own families and, and societally as, you know, talking about the things that really matter, not internalizing the pain, uh, not being focused on bravado, not being focused on, you know, this is the way I was brought up. This, you know, you've got to dispel that. You've got to have conversations with yourself and go, okay, that might've been how I was brought up. But now that I'm an adult and I can make my own uh, critical thinking based decisions, you know, is this still serving me? You know, does this work for me? Is this, am I seeing it work for me in the results of my relationships? Am I seeing it, you know, and the list goes on. So, I mean, there's a whole plethora of people who are in need of your message. Uh, and the fact that you're the walking, talking, breathing example and saying, you know what? Now my children are going to grow up differently. Not, no disrespect to your parents because you've already identified them as loving parents. But in terms of getting more caught up in what is equal, you know, encouraging your children to cry, encouraging your children to voice their feelings without worried about opposition or, or resistance. So I think what you're doing is absolutely paramount, Shu. And I hope that your book gets into the hands of everyone. I, I would be taking your book. I would be connecting with all the social service agencies you can in all countries, um, you know, and everyone's doing things online right now, but I mean, you could be a guest speaker uh, at any number of important events that talk about these issues that are unfolding, whether it be suicide, whether it be, I mean, the list goes on. I mean, this is such an important message and you are doing such important work. I just, as a, as a fellow feminist, as a single parent, as somebody who's worked in social services for 25 years where I've worked with the oppressed and the disenfranchised and the abused and the afflicted, I want to personally thank you. What you're doing is so important. Oh, thank you so much. That, uh, that, um, yeah, really, I really appreciate your, your words. Yeah. And uh, yes, I um, I want to continue my work, uh, whether it's speaking engagements uh, with, um, you know, adults um, or students. Um, I think just sharing, talking about this is the first step. Um, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, um, I, I know there are a lot of people who believe in gender equality, um, mm -hmm. but they're kind of um, against the word 
feminism or feminists because uh, I, I believe that they don't really know what that means. And I didn't either until, you know, six, seven years ago. Um, and it all it takes is just, um, you know, a little bit of education or a, a story. And, uh, you know, I if my story can help other men understand what it uh, what it means to support feminism and gender equality, um, I would be happy to be that person and give um, continue to give speeches. Um, and also, I think it's super important to change in order to change a culture, um, you know, policies and the system systems need to change. So yes. working with organizations um, and hopefully governments in the future as well um, for for men to um, kind of going back a little bit um, to paternity leave. I, I think men having men take extended paternity leave is one of the the most effective things that um, governments can do to promote gender equality in their countries. So I, you know, that's something that I, I want to work with um, organizations so that they're promoting men to take uh, paternity leave. And that's going to provide more opportunities for uh, women to step up in the workforce. Um, that's going to create a culture that actually values childcare. Um, mm -hmm. And men obviously need to be involved in childcare. Um, and and it's 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 amazing. It's just I think it's just a win 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 situation for Absolutely. all parties. So beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. And so for the benefit of the listening audience and the podcast subscriber shoe, where can people buy your book? Where can people reach out to you for a consultation or if they want to invite you to be a keynote uh, or to be a part of anything that would be completely aligned uh, and synergistically on board with your messaging and giving you an opportunity in which to impart your message? Where can people reach out to you? Where can people buy your book? Yes. So I have a website. It's uh, it's called it's shumatsuopost.com, mm -hmm. um, S-H-U-M-A-T-S-U-O-P-O-S-T.com. Um, if you want to reach out to me, there's a contact box and you can directly uh, email me there. Um, and my book is available on Amazon, uh, also on my website, obviously, but also on Amazon. So you can just type in I took her name or my name, Shumatsu Post, on the search bar, and it's available um, in any Amazon platform. Um, and I have a, uh, I'm pretty active on Instagram as well at Shumatsu Post. Lovely. And so knowing that my show, you know, I have a very good demographic, both men and women of various age groups. But if you were speaking specifically to the men listeners here, the men podcast subscribers, what would you want to be the greatest, most profound takeaway from the messaging of what we're sharing here and what you're trying to achieve to continually do? I'd say the message would be that manhood doesn't have to be a certain way. And, uh, you know, for me, I, I feel like I found this unscripted life um, by questioning the societal expectations, um, especially the gender, gender expectations. Um, and once you kind of let go of um, that, like, hey, being OK with living outside of the social norms, um, I, I feel fr I, I felt free and I feel like many men can feel that way as well. Um, mm -hmm. And it takes 
it takes courage. Uh, it's not an it's not a comfortable journey. Um, you know, I still fight with uh, discomfort every single day, um, but I I do feel free um, in terms of um, the like being from the being in the case that I I thought I was trapped in. Mm -hmm. um, so I would recommend to confront gender expectations to, to the male listeners. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, and, you know, everybody who's endeavored to walk the journey, people who are, are committed to doing the work, whether it be healing, whether it be reversing course on things that no longer serve us, don't serve us at the micro level, don't serve us at the macro level, uh, you know, don't help us within the family, aren't doing our children any favor. You know, there is no growth, true, profound, monumental growth that doesn't come or isn't a derivative from not being uncomfortable, right? Because if you get to a point where things are comfortable and you've resigned yourself to believing, okay, well, you know, this has always been the way it is, you know, I don't need to challenge myself, I don't need to challenge society, I don't need to challenge manhood, I don't need to challenge gender, I don't need to challenge anything. Well, it, it's only when we step into doing that, that we shift, we shift our thinking. And once we start to recognize those changes within ourselves, in the way that you so beautifully articulated you, you know, you feel lighter, you feel freer. Um, you know, you, you feel like you can honor the integrity of who you are. And by choosing to show up exactly as you are, Shu, and being the example of giving other people permission uh, to want to risk and endeavor to do the same, you're going to ultimately, you're going to be a better partner, you're going to be a better parent, you're going to be a better boss, you're going to be a better community member, you're going to be a better contributor to society for all people who inhabit society. And that's women. That's women. And, you know, as your counterpart. So I, I think what you're saying is really important uh, I, for all the people who are very generously taking time out of your schedule to listen to myself and Shu today here on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald, really take note of what Shu is saying. Take a look at your life introspectively and be honest about yourself, particularly if you are a man. You know, are you happy with, uh, or do you accept, or do you feel it's acceptable for the ways in which you're still clinging to things, regardless of how you were once upon a time brought up to believe culturally, uh, whatever the case may be, parentally, societally, you know, is that still acceptable? Is it still okay? You know, are you impeding your own growth, your own ability to show up in the way that you're meant to show up as the best, most improved, self-actualized person, therefore being that kind of parent, being that kind of human being, being that kind of significant partner to your wives, your girlfriends, you know, and, and by example, for your daughters, what do you want them to marry into? What do you want them to choose in a partner? Like, so th there's a whole myriad of subject matters and it's a really deep subject. Uh, unfortunately, the show doesn't have enough time to cover it. You're always welcome to come back uh, to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald, shoe because I, this is, you're really touching, um, you're really touching a chord in me. I, I took amongst many things in college and university, one of the things, subject matters that I, I really studied and it was very much um, carried out in my bodies of work and in my vocation, my career 
history was women's studies. And so, you know, I've always been fighting for women's rights. I've always been empowering women to empower themselves. But I've also equally recognized that it's not just solely a woman's issue. It, this is everyone's issue. This is everyone's responsibility. Um, so I just want to say, Shu, keep up the great work. Uh, I commend you. I applaud you. I applaud you as a fellow feminist. I applaud you um, as a mother of a son. I, I just think what you're doing is so key and so paramount. And in getting close to wrapping up here, I'd like to give you another opportunity. Where can people reach out to you uh, to talk to you, uh, to hire you, to consult with you, and to buy your book? Yes. Thank you, Lisa. Shumatsuopost.com is my website for um, any inquiries. Um, and my book is available on Amazon. I took her name um, or uh, type Shumatsu Post on the search bar and should be available at any Amazon platform. Um, and, um, and also I'm active on uh, Instagram as well at Shumatsu Post um, if you want to follow me. Beautiful. Well, again, given how important the subject matter is, I would be remiss if I didn't give you the opportunity. Is there something I missed? Is there something that you feel is really important to denote here that we've not touched upon, but again, being cognizant of time, is there something else that, that needs to be said here? No, I think we covered it all. Um, but just to talk um, at the end to talk a little bit about gender equality again, um, you know, going back to your point of feminism and gender equality isn't just about women's issue. It's, um, it's a humanity issue. Yes. And if it's a humanity issue, the half the population men, um, have to be involved. So it's, you know, time for us to unite and, uh, fight for, um, equality. And I, I believe that when we achieve gender equality, there is going to be more uh, harmony um, and love and true connection um, amongst ourselves. So, yeah. Beautiful. Well, I know that you're already celebrating uh, the launching of your book, and I know that that's a fairly recent endeavor. And I know that you're busy, you know, you're home with your, your wife and you're both co-parenting your child being on maternity leave, and that's a full-time job. Trust me, I know, I've done it with two. Um, but have you thought about doing something in the way of writing a children's book that kind of takes the messaging of gender equality, but making it um, understandable developmentally from the level of a child? Because, of course, we know when it comes to awareness, education, the earlier we start, the younger we start impressing upon these principles and uh, important paradigms of thinking, you know, the better chance people have to grow up uh, rather than having to undo damage, right? Learning the lessons as early as possible. You thought of writing a children's book specific to this subject matter? I have. I have, definitely. My, uh, my wife actually has a master's degree in gender and language. And her mm -hmm. for her dissertation, she actually looked into the gender inequality or patriarchy um, that's seen in um, children's books. So we are, yeah, we definitely love to invest in that endeavor, um, mm -hmm. writing a children's books that's more gender neutral, gender 
you know, mm-hmm. with gender neutrality. Um, but my focus right now is to publish my book um, in Japanese as well. Um, so I obviously wrote this book in English so that more people around the world can read it. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, I want to write this book in Japanese um, first so that, um, you know, it's directed to the, the men in Japan. Um, Beautiful. So maybe after that, yeah, the children's book, um, that's definitely on my list. Well, there's no limit to where you can take this. I mean, this is the thing, because this is such a calling. It's so needed. People are hungry for it. And, and yeah, times are changing. Again, we noticed that in the White House. So I just want to say, Shu, again, congratulations. Kudos to you. Uh, rah, rah, rah. I mean, this is just amazing. This is fantastic. And whether it's, you know, book version number two in Japanese, uh, or it's a children's book or whatever else. I mean, this is the type of content that I like to get out to my listeners. You know, I don't talk about fluff. I talk about things that are cathartic. I talk about things that are purpose-driven, things that are meaningful, uh, and things that really do get people off the fence in life in terms of living fearlessly. So anytime you want to come back here and talk about something else that's interconnected, but you're going off in a different um, area or you've got a different different product to launch or a different message or an extension of the existing message, you're always welcome on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. So I want to thank you. I want to commend you. Uh, enjoy your time with your child and, and being able to co-parent with your wife at the same time. I think that's beautiful. So congratulations and thank you for all that you're doing. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much, Lisa. And thanks for inviting me to be on your show. My my pleasure. And to my listening audience, I want to thank you as well very much for the gift of your time for joining myself and Shu today here on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Highly encourage you to reach out to Shu. Uh, And I just want to say until next time, when I'm back here with yet another phenomenal guest, I'm very clear on my purpose. My purpose here is to uplift you to fear less and to live more. So until next week, Take care. All my best. Love and gratitude. Thanks very much. Take care, everybody. Goodbye. Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Helton Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. And until next week, our fearless friends, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio telling you to be your own hero, be your own hero, be your own leader, and be your own best friend. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.